0: This is Hypernasality, a podcast about speech and language with your hosts, me, Dr. Anthony Drew
1: and Karen with a C, covering all topics about speech,
0: language
1: and swallowing,
0: of course, swallowing mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and everything in between, including academic survival,
1: grad students, pop culture.
0: And our disclaimer is this is not. Evidence Evidence based, based. this is not evidence based, this is about fun. So, Mm -hmm. we hope you have fun.
1: And if you're not here to have fun, get out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, today's episode is brought to you by the good people at Pro Ed, Mm -hmm. which is what speech thing I have on my desk. They actually didn't give us any money, but I've gotten so many desk copies of books from Pro Ed that they're an unofficial sponsor. Got it, perfect. All right, Mm -hmm. um. Shooby dooby doo bomb. This is. <laughs> Sing it out loud, girl. Sing it out loud. <laughs> Nasality. A podcast. <laughs> Nasality. Oh my God, Karen! Did you watch SNL this week? Like, Not speech and language, but Saturday Night Live. The cold open. The cold open. Who was the host again this week? uh, 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 uh. i don't Not, remember i'm so embarrassed it wasn't bill burr was it yeah, i
1: know justin bieber was <laughs> the musical guest
0: it was justin bieber was no it was
1: Issa guy. ray who was so oh, cool
0: she's great <laughs> mm-hmm. she's great um she's oh I mean, how was the cold open? i didn't watch it i don't remember what i was doing but i was doing something fun saturday night i'm
1: gonna tell yeah. you that there's a there's a blend happening in my life between SNL code opens and actually what's going on in politics. So I'm not sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there have been quite a few days I wake up to the morning news and I'm like, is Saturday Night Live on?
1: Mm -hmm. On
0: Wednesday morning?
1: Making writing easy over there.
0: Yeah, no, SNL people are like, they watched the debate last night. They're like, just order the transcript from the newsroom. Too much content. Oh my God.
1: Did you see, this is a tangent, did you see Tiffany Trump, um, Doing a rally.
0: I heard about it. She shepherds. was to, Yeah. What it happened?
1: Well, she.
0: Is she? I don't an know advocate? how far we
1: want to go in the rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> well, I could just tell by her makeup and hair that she is not rallying hard enough with the LGBT community.
1: This is kind of the. Oh, and changing. she left out the T. Did she, I just did too? I think she I? left
0: out the T. She went LGBTQA plus. That's a direct slap to Caitlyn Jenner as far as I'm concerned. Great one. Great. Speaking,
1: of, speaking of voices, that's actually what Tiffany Trump sounds like. I had never heard her talk and she's like, my dad. Like, it sounds like I, I actually, the girl who did her on SNL. Um, <laughs> wait, did great. you see that? That was on, um, in, they did a good sketch you should catch on Weekend Update where they had the brothers and then Tiffany Trump showed up. But I didn't realize her voice was like going to be that deep. And I, mm-hmm. I like I don't know her book doesn't like I wasn't expecting it basically.
0: <laughs> well, she's the odd woman out. Mm-hmm. That she's the daughter of Marla May. Marla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So I know
1: it all. My grandma. We had the Enquirer on the table mm-hmm. at her house. I know. I know all the good stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> about the Trumps in the nineties.
0: Oh my god! And that's the thing that's. I they, this family has been around longer than the Bushes yeah. and the Obamas. Like we're done with them. This but- is it. Let's make it. the I just
1: stuff. had a thought. Mm-hmm. Do you think people like I don't know because we're from this this hypernasal area of the country, right? Where,
0: uh-huh.
1: Like Trump was a th- like more of maybe more of a thing because of where we're from. I don't know. Like I'm curious to know. Like do people know all that? Like do people know him? Like is he nationally famous for the, his stuff in the like Marla Maples 1990s or is that just because? I,
0: I don't know. I think it's a good question. So he's a page six news. Like we got the New York post here before right. the internet. It was just New York, but the inquirer and the star yeah. every, every supermarket in America.
1: That's right. Yeah. So maybe people did pay attention that yeah. Oprah, Oprah's um high, low weight loss journey and wacko mm-hmm. jacko.
0: Yeah. And like wacko jacko and the alien abduction. Like yes. that's my mom used to read all that stuff too. No oh, wonder why so she's, yeah.
1: It's so good.
0: Yeah, it's, a great it's interesting. Sit
1: down on grandma's couch with some diet Pepsi that she had.
0: <laughs> Hey, literacy is literacy. I don't care what you're reading. I don't care what you're reading. Um, so I did it. so I did I'm going to tell you I didn't watch the SNL but I did finish The Good Place. We talked about oh, that. Oh yeah. And I kind of loved it.
1: It's it was really um It's like trippy, but and makes you think, I feel like, the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes you think, but there was also this subtle, it's almost like they turned into random acts of kindness. Like our souls become the random acts of kindness that change the world. And I think that's a great circle of
1: life. It is very circle of life. And it did give me peace. I feel like when I watched it, I was like, okay, Yeah. I feel all right about that.
0: They brought the whole thing full circle. I think if I had more of a uh, a leg in philosophy and eth- like that kind of knowledge base, it would have been more um, cerebral for me, but I loved it. I love Kristen Bell so much. Oh,
1: she's cool. She's yeah. a tish. You know that, right?
0: Yeah. She, she's got a great voice. There mm-hmm. was, she did. Oh, a, yeah. She did Elsa a movie. Elsa
1: and movie. Anna are big in our house. So.
0: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. She never has to work again.
1: Yeah,
0: she's good. Oh, but she... um did this musical movie called Reefer Madness. It was a Showtime original and it was basically a musical farce about uh, marijuana but it's called Reefer Madness because in the 30s there was like a 10 minute propaganda video about Reefer making you into a wild murderous animal to like get people not to use it. And so I have, and they made a musical out of it that premiered the same week that the towers fell on 9-11. So the musical never got oh. good steam in the Broadway, but they did a a, a TV, like a, a, mm-hmm. a filmed version
1: yeah. and
0: she's in it. And her voice is incredible.
1: She's really talented and mm-hmm. underrated. She can uh, like yeah. tap dance and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a fan. Mm-hmm.
0: And she seems like super nice too, yeah. which is always a delight.
1: Yeah. So, she had a really yeah. good um have you ever listened to Conan's pod? No. It's
0: a like, little uh, you Conan know,
1: I, I towed the line on a little bit, but
0: um, I like Conan, you know. He's, you know, I like Conan. He's a redhead. He never had a chance and he did well, you know. He did. He's and then there's he's, but, <laughs> he, um, he's super I don't know. tall. He's super I get, tall. Like,
1: he gets you know what it is maybe he brings on a lot of people from like the 90s like era of comedy Mm -hmm. so he brings on like there's a really funny dana carvey episode but like he had adam sandler on he's had jeff goldblum and i don't know there's kind of like a men's club vibe that i get a little bit from it where i'm like "Eh." Mm -hmm. but he had kristen bell on one time and she's so funny she's like talking about how she like cuts coupons and like
0: (laughs) she's i heard that about her a
1: a regular person
0: yeah (laughs) um um i'm so when it comes to late night, I'm like a Jim, I live and die and swear by Jimmy Kimmel and mm-hmm. they must be friends. Cause she's always covering like when he goes on vacation or hiatus or when his son was born with a heart condition, yeah. all, all of his crew like Kristen Bell hosted an episode. She's great. She's charismatic. I like her. She's I like Conan too. And, but you're right. Like the comedy thing has this, uh, there's a very broy thing to it.
1: Like the 80s, 90s SNL mm-hmm. crew, there's like a, du- a dude thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, like for okay. sure. Mm-hmm. So you got some news for us, Karen. Tell us about <laughs> the <laughs> saliva <laughs> gland. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> breaking, <laughs> <laughs> breaking news.
0: Breaking news. <laughs> this is not evidence-based breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> is
1: evidence-based. <laughs> okay. Ooh, tell me. Okay, so this is crazy kookanooka stuff. So let me see. I have to. I'm pulling up the article so I like cite the right folks. This group of researchers in the Netherlands, right? They were I don't know why they found it, but they were doing some work and they found this hidden saliva gland in the back of like the nose throat area that nobody knew was there.
0: Like in the pharynx?
1: Like in the nasal pharynx.
0: Okay, we could use those words on this podcast. I
1: think, yeah, plus like if like if you the words are there. Nasopharynx. Look it up.
0: Yeah. Posterior, <laughs> nasopharynx.
1: Posterior pharyngeal wall, but in the okay. nasopharynx. Okay. So it's behind the posterior pharyngeal wall. And it's it's
0: scar. oh.
1: So they had they did okay, they the scientists looked at a hundred scans of the head and neck of a hundred individuals they were treating for prostate cancer. Wrong end. And <laughs> <laughs> So I two cadavers, a male and a female, and everybody had a set of these glands in the nasopharynx, not in the prostate.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I have a lot of questions about like, who was the graduate student that went in the wrong hole for prostate (laughs) exam? And do they get to call themselves PhD?
1: (laughs) I don't know. They must have consented for a different study and got included.
0: (laughs) Sometimes. I mean, yeah. So it depends. If so we can
1: scan you everywhere because you consented.
0: Yeah, so they got scanned.
1: Mm-hmm. And they found it. Because I guess what happened was they had discovered a pair in the... And, uh, and then they decided to look... They first came across the body part during a scan of tumorous growths, maybe in one person. And then they decided to look at a bunch of other people on the scans. Okay. And... Um, the reason this is like interesting for speech and swallow people is there's a whole group of patients that are actually really, really, really affected um, by this when they have um, so people with head and neck cancer that have radiation.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the
1: horrific problems they develop, both in the short term and long term post, is something called xerostomia. Have you ever heard of that?
0: Uh z- what's the first letter? Is that an x? X. Okay, zero stomia. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to use my little bit of Greek knowledge mm-hmm. to figure it out without zero. What's the xero I don't know what that is. Without spit, without water.
1: Is that That's really? It. Did you just do No,
0: that? I made that up.
1: You what knew you the said? word already?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know what it means. Tell me.
1: That's what it means.
0: What without
1: without so like that they're all dried up.
0: Basically. I use context to get that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
1: when you're radiated it just kind of like kills everything, right, in the whole mm-hmm. area. And between that, and I think there's a sprinkle of chemo influence on this too. But um for these people, both in while they're being treated and then in late effects, like people can live with this for the rest of their life, so they survive head and neck cancer. But they're like literally, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're forced hot air, like. Dried out, that's what's happening to these people. Right. It, and on top of that, like that has sensory impact and, and uh, they have a host of other swallowing issues. And actually this is a great topic to talk about, like to talk about late effects of radiation, which is like a really interesting area another mm-hmm. time, but from a clinical perspective in speech, if we can be smarter about where we're directing our radiation, which it's improved tremendously in recent times, it's much better than like, if you have a patient who's treated in the 80s and 90s, it's like the whole area is blown out, but now it's smarter, more directed treatment, right? But if they know that they need to avoid this region or they can preserve it at times in their surgery or in their treatment, then people might have less late effects because of it. So it is really interesting. And it also made me think like, what else do we have that we think we know everything? Like how in 2020 are we like, oh, there's like something dangling back there, a dingling behind
0: the An <laughs> the extra <bed."> saliva <laughs> gland. We not know, you know? Yeah. Like,
1: what else is there that we don't know about?
0: It's really interesting. And it's only a hundred people, but if all of them had it- Right, it's pretty I'm powerful. curious to know, maybe is this something that's evolutionary, like only modern? Like, is there any way to know if if- like earlier generations of people, um, does this have anything to do with our ability to taste? And it does.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Um, uh, the fact that it, it exists um, brings a lot of questions, of so like how it's actually producing saliva, what its contribution to this salivary gland system is, and like you know, I don't know what the, this guy's role is compared to the other ones, mm-hmm. the parotid gland and some of the other ones, but, um, you do need saliva production to do two things. One is to coat the area, the mucosal lining to, I guess, like uh, just allow, um, comfort in the area, but two, saliva production actually has bacteria, allows for bacteria, good bacteria to be kind of moved all around your muc- mucosa mm-hmm. and protect you from infection too, But just like I said before, like if you've ever had that thing when the heat turns on in your house and it's like, you're like, you wake up like dry, (sighs) like the hangover, you know, Mm -hmm. and you, or
0: just a hangover.
1: That's what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like you wake up with the dry mouth and Mm -hmm. um, you can't like, you can't move. Right. And you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't taste anything. Like you go to take that first sip of a drink and it like tastes weird or it like doesn't it doesn't taste like anything because your mucosa, if it's not um, moistened correctly, then your sensory receptors for taste along with this, a lot of your taste comes from your nose actually too, but mm-hmm. um, you're going to have issues. So it creates like a lot of problems when people have this xerostomia issue for infection control purposes, but also for sensory reception, which everybody ignores in swallowing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, because the, the, Correct me if I'm wrong, because remember, I'm language, but it's also like a lot of the equipment in the in nose and throat is designed for we got to get food and air into our bodies, but we also have to protect us from like external things like COVID, Wanna, like having you know, being able to swallow that bacteria into the stomach and kill it before it infects you, mm-hmm. or um, even just being able to enjoy the taste of food to ensure that you're new- eating enough nutrients, you know? Yeah,
1: but also if you can't taste food, then you can't react to it. So the sensory motor loop for swallowing is like totally shot off. So anything that you need to do to actually react and manipulate the bolus and transit it
0: mm-hmm. is
1: not going to... It, you can't do mm. it the right way.
0: And just for our listeners that might not know what a bolus is, oh, like, yeah. can you give us a definition, a quick and dirty layperson definition? A bolus is
1: like a ball of food or drink in your mouth.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. For those of you That's that saliva. are. Yeah, it's why we chew 30 times to create that little bolus. I like to think of it as packing your food in luggage to go on its ultimate journey down the That's esophagus. Right. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Take this um, with
1: you on your journey.
0: So does this saliva gland have a name?
1: They did <laughs> name it. Let me see. It's like not a cool name though. Like I wish they Well, knew it's
0: it, probably it. like the, the Latin. Karen
1: gland. It's called <laughs>
0: the- <laughs> You gotta discover it, girl. You gotta discover yeah, it. They
1: can ju- so it's I think they called it like a tubal. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be in quotes in the article. I I don't remember it because it was forgettable. Um
0: I know, but um have you heard of Umami? maybe okay so this is becoming like so this is where we start branching science and pseudoscience so you know how growing up we've always had four tastes sweet salty sour bitter Bitter. Mm -hmm. apparently there's a fifth taste bud that people are talking about called umami and i'm wondering (laughs) huh is this a bit? <laughs> no, no, no. It's a real thing. And I'm like waiting for about. It. It. No, no, no. If you watch any of the cooking shows, they'll say like, I'm sensing a little umami, which is basically like the cross between Parmesan cheese and dirty feet. And it's a desirable flavor. Like umami you would find, I think it's a Japanese like back of the throat taste. And I'm wondering if this discovery of this saliva gland helps us taste umami.
1: It's a savory broth like taste. And it says, especially in monosodium glutamate.
0: Okay. But is it a taste so like bud?
1: soy sauce?
0: Yeah. But like soy sauce extra. You just said that so, Jersey. The soy sauce soy extra. Sauce. <laughs> soy sauce. Soy sauce. Well, I, we do work in Jersey. I was there yesterday all day. All day. All day. All day. <laughs> it was so nice anyway, though
1: so, so super interesting and what else is in what else is in here what else is in our head that what we else is
0: in there you know what i think we have yet to discover like or we're losing our ability to use parts mm-hmm. of the brain for thinking mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but we'll get to that another day mm-hmm. um so karen does this saliva gland now like as an instructor you obviously know what you're talking about with this does this, does a discovery. And a board
1: certified specialist of swallowing and swallowing. Ah. There's only 400 in the country.
0: BCS. Is it board certified board certified in swallowing?
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Yeah, excellent.
1: There's only uh, eight in New Jersey.
0: Whoa. And I have the privilege of talking to one.
1: That's right. And you you don't know what umami is, which makes
0: (laughs) no. But I think it's false. I think it's pseudoscience. I think it's science.
1: It makes sense, and and based on the fact that we're literally legit finding a crevasse in the head that we didn't know exists, I think there's more out there. I
0: think there's more out there, (laughs) like umami. Yeah. Um, So does this change your theoretical framework for how you teach um, this stuff?
1: I don't know the answer to that.
0: (laughs) What do you mean you don't know the answer to that?
1: Okay, so theoretical frameworks freak me out.
0: Uh-oh.
1: Because um, I don't feel, so like anything that I don't feel like I know enough about makes me uncomfortable. And I guess I use that in a good way to mm-hmm. try and learn more. But I am not going to answer that question because I only know a little bit about theoretical frameworks. And I don't know a lot of theoretical frameworks about dysphagia, actually.
0: Interesting. I um, I I want to then I want to talk about theoretical mm-hmm. frameworks, and I'm going to Maybe start... I
1: do, and I don't know that I well, do. Tell Let's me what
0: you it. think a theoretical framework is. This is my new this is my new teaching mode where I ask questions. Tell me what you know.
1: So I guess I associate it with um, research design, right? Or or writing proposals for research mm-hmm. that include a design, but the umbrella it's like an umbrella um an umbrella theory or um accepted uh system that you can like attach things to that you're applying right so like I guess like we let me think of like, like an analogy like um Okay so like a theoretical framework in cooking is like you put something you add heat and you get something out of it right so we all kind of know like when you cook like there's this like thing that happens where
0: agitation you, they you call got it not
1: something you do something right and mm-hmm. then something's going to come out of it so it's mm-hmm. like this super high like Arch where then you're hanging your specs on it. So, like with the mm. cooking, if it was like, okay, like, I'm, but I'm going to talk about popcorn, right? So, like, my design is that I'm going to make popcorn. So, in that framework of adding heat in my thing, I'm, I anticipate my hypothesis is, is something's going to happen to these kernels because of that three theoretical framework of like the thing plus the heat is the change in the yield.
0: Okay. I, I like it. I like it. And I love using cooking when I teach research methods. I use, uh, Cooking chicken cutlets as like an experimental design. Cause
1: Italian, yeah.
0: And well, in Jersey, everybody <laughs> loves a chicken. Everyone cutlet. knows about oh chicken cutlets at our school. I think it might be the reason why I took that job is because of the chicken cutlet sandwich that's available <laughs> every day in the calf. Like yeah. I'm like that's but so. A theory, <laughs> the root word in theoretical framework is theory, and we use theories to explain phenomena we don't yet understand. Mm-hmm. So theory and theoretical framework are kind of like we have a theory, and then we apply our knowledge into that theoretical framework to operationalize it. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna get really dumb here. I don't know anything about swallowing. Are there still four phases? Uh, yeah. Okay. Why did you say yeah?
1: It depends on who you talk to.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. It depends on who you talk to. So, who, is, is there somebody, is there a camp that's three phases and a camp that's four phases? I
1: think it's just I, there's there's more than two camps, let's just okay. say. Okay. And I think so part of that is people, of the, don't, people don't acknowledge things that, that they probably should.
0: So, each of those camps is a theoretical framework. We're operating on the theory of a four-phase swallow. Mm -hmm. And so if that's what you believe and that's what you know and that's what you have data on, your question would be where does this new saliva gland fit into each of those phases? Um, Do you know language content form and use? Like kind of. (laughs) So that's our theoretical framework for language. So when we talk about figurative language, Is that content, is it form, is it use? And it kind of bridges content and use. So theoretical frameworks are basically, I like to think of it as like a a really organized desk or closet, that is how we operationalize a theory. And when we learn new information, we either have to put it somewhere in the closet or the desk Mm -hmm. or rethink the design of the closet or the desk to accommodate it,
1: you know? So
0: discovering a new anatomical part usually means you have to adjust the framework. Like it flushes the format. Yeah.
1: Now we have to accommodate for something new or does it fit into what we already accept?
0: And, and And if you have a really good theory that you've been working on, a really good theoretical framework that you've been working on, your first line of defense is, does it fit into our theory? If it does, then we've done everything right. When it doesn't fit into your theory, that's when people get volatile in the literature and say, you can't, accommodate for this in our theory, you're going to have to do some major evidence to show us Mm -hmm. why we should change our theory. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I always use the analogy. Have you ever been in a Prius?
1: No, but like I've been by one.
0: (laughs) Okay. So if you ever drive in a Ford Prius, another sponsor for our our podcast, they have a graph in the (laughs) computer. That graph is like the blueprint that somebody, some stoners around a campfire in Portland said, we're gonna invent a car, man, that doesn't use gas. And they drew a picture and mm-hmm. that was their theoretical framework. And that picture, and it's no longer theoretical because they actually made it happen. So it's no, so it went from a theory thinking about how we could create a fuelless car to actually designing it using a framework to design it. And now that we actually have something that's an operating operationalization of the theory and we have to modify it because it still uses gas, but now they want to like reduce the amount of gas. So it's gone from theory to actuality. So there's no longer a theory about fuelless cars because we actually have them.
1: But then let me ask you this. So like, what is it then? What is what? It's not a theory anymore.
0: Well, there's a theoretical premise that drives it that literally drives it but also figuratively drives it you know so
1: like say you were going to make a new kind of electric car so like then you yep. have so
0: yeah so then you have what's the tesla the te- that's a new t- a new type of approach i don't know if they overlapped in their original theoretical mm-hmm. frameworks but now you have like a different operationalization of the same theory
1: Right, which is cars can run on electricity.
0: Yeah, exactly. And now as they refine it, so maybe it was too robust for me to say or too aggressive for me to say, we no longer need a theory, but because we want to figure out how to operate cars Mm-hmm. without fuel. And then as we do that, we need to make sure they're safe, they're efficient, they're fast, they can store things, they can move a family. So as we further refine it and do our effectiveness and efficiency studies, mm-hmm. to better, we're still going back to that original theoretical You're framework. You're
1: still working off of that framework and mm-hmm. until something that doesn't fit into that framework mm-hmm. proves that it you have this other alternative.
0: Yeah. Theories are used to explain phenomena we don't yet understand. Mm -hmm. And theoretical frameworks are how we operationalize it.
1: So it's interesting because like this, this summer I was doing um, a proposal on something in the world of education. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was about uh, like, I I was using a very longstanding theoretical framework to just support why i thought my idea made sense so i guess the way you're talking about it is kind of like more experimental maybe and and what i was doing was kind of
0: no because what you're doing in that without knowing much about it what you're saying is like I mean, the other thing is you're just jumping in on education in 2020, 2019, mm-hmm. whenever you were writing this. Yeah. People have been talking about how we educate and teach. So there's a lot of operationalization. So you maybe took what you knew and mm-hmm. retrofitted it into like a theoretical framework or conceptual framework.
1: was I mean, just a assignment for
0: class. So, but here's what I want to tell you. We do, Um, I just came up with this. Th- I just started talking about this this week and mm-hmm. especially because I'm training doctoral students now. Mm-hmm. Research goes on a continuum from duh to wow. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do studies that are like duh, but we yeah. need the data to, right. get, to get to the to wow. The wow. wow. Mm-hmm. And then so and a theoretical framework would be able to explain why the duh and the wow both work. Got it. All right. I put frat boy framework because another way to think about uh, theoretical frameworks is like fraternities and sororities. It's an approach we use to get kids to socialize and do good and be good at school.
1: You then, frat.
0: Huh? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was ready to do school, but like each different frat has their own framework for how they do it you know mm-hmm. so like some of them actually study and do philanthropic things yes. others you know some just
1: drink like yeah, some just drink
0: and yeah <laughs> and then like be really nice to the nerds to help them get through the nerds. yeah i don't think yeah. they did that He's yeah
1: took 15 years to get his undergrad degree <laughs>
0: Exactly. <laughs> you didn't have any nerd friends. <laughs> those are did you ever see those movies? Revenge of the Nerds? Yeah. Oh my God. Classic 80s. Classic. Yeah. Hey Karen, I'm scared that we are gonna eventually have to have a faculty meeting again. Mm-hmm. And uh because we've been doing remote like meetings mm-hmm. through email and and whatever. What are one of the most frustrating things for me about academia is everything moves at a glacial pace like Mm -hmm. the meeting we talked about this last time like the meeting has an agenda that you have to approve and then like basically the only thing that comes out of a meeting is another meeting how Mm -hmm. can we make our faculty meetings more fun
1: don't have them (laughs) don't
0: have. (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna pause you i have to take a potty break excuse me Yeah, so I like, I, yeah, I'm gonna have to retrain myself to be able to hold it because I'm working from home.
1: You know who's Um, really
0: good at holding it? Moms. I know it's, Mm -hmm. I think women in general, like I've heard people, like my friends I hang out with, like I have to use the bathroom, like let's find one. They're like, no, I have about an hour and a half. I'm like, right. (laughs) <laughs> like, I go from, like, I got to go to, like, get me to the yeah. toilet, you know?
1: No, yeah, like, sometimes you're like, oh, I've had a pee for two hours. Like, I didn't realize. I, still I mean, I that. feel
0: like that's what grownups do. I think when I can do that, I'm officially a grownup.
1: <laughs> I don't know, because then you get really grown up, and it just comes out, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. So, um, what are we going to do, Karen? Well, I think we decided that we're going to do faculty bingo.
1: Well, I'm gonna backtrack because I think like we're not explaining why, like what the drag is with a faculty meeting. I
0: guess that's a good point. Most people don't know what a faculty meeting is like.
1: I know, like before when I was in clinical work, I used to be really stressed out when we had a staff meeting. Like I would Mm. come out like frazzled because there would be a thousand things that we had to do or that were changing. And like I would be like, Oh my god, like I can't do my job. (laughs) Yeah. And it's totally different in academia. Holy, it's totally different. Well, it's also like, so- It's the
0: opposite.
1: Yeah, in corporate, like in healthcare, you go to a faculty meeting and like, I mean, staff meeting, nobody's talking except for like your DOR, like the manager of the clinic, whoever it is, is like, guys, like- Here's this, any questions? Here's this, any questions? Here's an update on this. You're in charge of this committee. You want to update everybody? Okay, thank you. All right, meetings. I
0: I feel like some departments in academia run like that, Mm -hmm. but most of them don't.
1: I don't think that the the philosophical
0: the theoretical framework there you go I love bringing it full circle I love that it's set up that way like
1: I think there I think people would be really put off if if their chair ran a meeting like that like the expectation for having Mm. a meeting that way and I think that was part of I was like why I get paid to sit in a meeting like this Mm -hmm. when I came to university oh I
0: think about that a lot like the habits that we've gained at a university don't would never translate to the mm-hmm. workforce ever. Mm-hmm. Nope. And I mean there's also I think it's because of the shared they, the shared governance they call it which mm-hmm. is sometimes a farce where you know some universities allow shared governance others are just like this is what you're going to do. Ultimately like I want to have an opinion about stuff but I don't think everybody has to have an opinion. That's the problem in academia. Yeah. It's like what's your opinion? I'm like I have none. Right. And that's offensive. And then people make up stuff because they don't have an opinion. You didn't even think about this, you know? So- you no,
1: know, it's funny. The idea of shared governance is great, but I just had this thought that, you know, in academia, often we're kind of all siloed into our our niche area mm-hmm. and thing we teach and thing we do research on um, and whatever our admin role is. And then we come together in these faculty meetings and want to share and, and move an agenda but of course, we're going to all have competing or um, maybe not um, productive collaboration because like we're siloed all the time.
0: Everybody's on and everybody's operating on their own theoretical framework. Correct. And I think sometimes that's why like our depart, like departments and universities have goals and missions. Mm-hmm. And it's always important. To remind us like that's what we're mm. moving towards. But then everybody also has their own individual agenda. Yes. And most professors, especially if you're well, I don't want to make any gross generalizations. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their own agenda. Some people are like, I want to continue being productive. Others are like, I got my tenure. I don't need to worry about it. Yeah. You know, I just want my job to be easy. You know, I and I think that's sad. I think both, you know, I think there's a place for move speeding things up a little bit and moving them down a little bit. But we're not going to be able to change that, Karen. So what can we do to mm-hmm. make, and we don't we're not just talking about like our department, we're talking about the school, the uni, any meeting. I want mm-hmm. a template for fun for any meeting in academia.
1: Well, you know there's like certain things that always happen.:
0: You mean like I, Captain obvious?
1: Yeah, like somebody who says what somebody else said.
0: <laughs> the restater.
1: The restater or like the person who really has nothing meaningful to contribute, but wants Mm. to make sure that everybody knows that they are excellent.
0: oh the
1: the, tangent share
0: yeah (laughs) I mean I actually want to put names to all of this but we'll do that off off recording
1: Mm -hmm. because or the like who has a bigger you know what person mm
0: -hmm. a spitting contest (laughs)
1: yeah
0: a spitting contest a good old-fashioned spitting contest
1: Mm -hmm. and then there's like the person who like doesn't want to be there and actually this is somebody I prefer doesn't want to be there doesn't contribute
0: (laughs) I mean I like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, people get. I think people get mad. I'm like, I'm voting with the majority. Why? Because I don't have an opinion about this, right? You're and I trust insane. my colleagues. Yeah. Hmm.
1: There's that. There's like now in remote. There's like all the funny stuff, like
0: the kids, the kids... <laughs> I mean, it's like I. Well, it's so funny because the the loudest yeah. screaming children. Like it comes from people. I'm like, I I get it. I know why that kid's screaming. Well, People that I like, they look, they give it one look to their kids and they silence them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's my friend.
1: You need to wait. Yeah. <laughs> but the the people who like don't know they're not on mute. Oh my god, did you see what happened to that CNN guy?
0: What happened?
1: Oh, it's bad. Did he
0: take a poop on camera?
1: No, he was um, pleasuring himself. During a Zoom meeting. Why? Why would you? I don't know. I think you might have an issue if that's what you got to do during your work meeting. I've
0: met ne- like, <laughs> of all the things to do during a Zoom meeting, I never would think to do that.
1: That is just like um, I eat
0: popcorn. I I make faces at people if my camera's off. What happened? I saw a really me funny meme.
1: Story? I saw a really funny meme. It's this guy, and he's like it's like when you first log into your zoom meeting and it's this guy like sitting up tall, like Mm -hmm. smiling. And then it's like, when you turn your camera off and he's like covering his head and like holding it, like what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. A lot of comedians. Oh,
1: I curse. Sorry.
0: (laughs) A lot of comedians have figured out how in a zoom to take a picture of themselves in the moment and then put it up so they could go to another zoom. I'm going to start doing that. Um, I go to a lot of the the talks the university's giving though. I like to eat my lunch and listen to smart people talk, you know. Um, but it's fun to watch all the cameras there. Seven months into this, then the number one question is still, how do I unmute? Or the number one comment is unmute your mic, you know. Can everyone please
1: mute themselves?
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it's just the opposite. It's so funny. So So what I
1: think Yeah. What I think we need to do is create a grid. Okay. And get some little candy corns or Hershey kisses mm-hmm. <laughs> and print the grid. And during the faculty meeting, we use it like a bingo board. And whoever gets bingo gets to eat their kisses.
0: <laughs> could we, you think we could involve our listeners? Like we can make this a printable. And in yeah. one week, if you get like a row Mm-hmm. You get this, if you, oh, if you get a row, if you get a full board, you get to be a guest on our show.
1: You got to be a guest on our show and you got to take one paid day off because you dealt with the the worst faculty mm-hmm. meeting.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, an unofficial payday off where you check yes. email and, and respond. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We could
0: actually do a whole episode on that.
1: On work-life balance. and equity. Yeah. I mean, my yeah.
0: work-life balance is I get everything done Monday and Tuesday, but I mm-hmm. don't email it out until Thursday or Friday. I am. Mm-hmm. It's, listen, it works. Mm-hmm. That's so I can get my writing done. I mean, I am using stuff to get my writing done. Karen, uh, before we go, I want to hear what's going on in Jerseylicious this week. Mm-hmm. I want to know why in Jersey we're so nasal. As why? opposed to hyponasal.
1: I don't know why it is, actually. I don't but know it, why it, we're like it's that.
0: A, it's a phenomenon.
1: Oh, for sure. And I, I mean know. you just went
0: hypernasal to emphasize that. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hypernasal, the best example of hypernasal I could give to everybody is Fran Drescher in the Nanny.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: You know, so For that's Janice. hypernasality. Janice? Oh, from friends, yeah.
1: Oh my
0: yeah. God. Dan LeBay. But
1: um, I hate friends, by the way. <laughs>
0: Me too. Let's it's never, not it's not, it's not. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, How, do you feel about guys. How do you feel about no. Seinfeld? How do I feel about it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think at the time it made sense. I feel weird about it now. And I, yeah. I have other shows like that too. Like I think we are, oh, because we you're talking about Kim Cattrall scatting.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> if
1: you go back and you watch sex in the city now, it's like dated. It's weird. Like uh, I feel well, weird it's about
0: also that. cause you've done all those things, you know?
1: Yeah, But it's, I don't know. Like, I feel like it, it did. It doesn't hold the same. Mm-hmm. The world's changed.
0: Well, it's a big thing. I mean, television is not like anybody's like oh did you catch the rerun of the donna reed show you know (laughs) but if there's an i love lucy marathon i could watch that all night long why she was i mean that's engaging that's special humor
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um i don't know how we got on this topic but uh, i don't know i want to tell you I had a manager for my comedy career Mm -hmm. and one day he's like, I was watching friends and things were on the rocks to begin with. And he's like, I was watching friends the other day. It was so funny. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're fired. Mm -hmm. I didn't even let him finish the sentence. I'm like, we're done. It's not." I don't
1: know why I feel that way. Like so many people love it, but I feel like it's the equivalent of like pumpkin spice latte girls, like basic. Mm -hmm. Like if you think friends is funny, you're basic
0: yeah you're basic and that's okay own it you know no it's fine
1: I mean everyone's allowed to like what they like it's okay I just
0: exactly yeah so
1: but the resonance thing is real I know that if you look at um
0: I try and bring my resonance down by doing stomach breathing stand
1: up and Mm. yes um and I do turn it on and off um, Uh, all the time but if I'm excited It comes out more, and if Mm. I'm with people who are also Jerseylicious, it really or Staten Staten Island is
0: Staten Island,
1: then it really comes out definitely. And I like it about myself that I have it, but it's um there's a thing with like you know I'm sure like. Anybody who's a speech person probably knows that with accents, right, there are like patterns in the way that we speak that I guess, and I don't know why this happens. Maybe you could tell us, sir, about mm-hmm. why this happens. But I know like the whole thing with the jaw moving and like how that contributes. Like people, if you watch people from New York talk or New Jersey talk, the jaw is like going kooka bananas for our vowels. There's Mm -hmm. a lot more activity going on. And I I don't know if it comes from that, but, but like, why do we talk the way that we talk? Is it because of like, what we hear around us? Is it like a human behavior to try and sound like other people? And that's why accents happen?
0: I think at the root of everything humans are humans have historically been mimickers. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. how we do everything. That's Mm -hmm. we, we learn by mimicking Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things with this, uh, they call it mirror neurons where, the way people um learn from each other is to mirror each other and that's Mm. how children learn speech one of the reasons why we know about mirror neurons is because of uh people with studies of children and adults with autism Mm. who don't readily mirror and mimic but we see this in a lot of species that are related to us too like um, in monkey and primates they mirror and they learn uh i mean a perfect example of this is vocal fry You had the Keeping Up with the Kardashians on for one year, and everybody who loved Friends is going, "Oh my god!" with that vocal fry. (laughs) Oh my god, I love Rachel. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and we just did it, and the up eyeball. Yeah, so. Well, I guess that's our segment on Jerseylicious. It wasn't much about Jersey, but it was fun to talk about. If anybody has an opinion about this or ideas or studies to share with us, you could send it on our Instagram or on our email. All right.
1: But don't say anything bad about Jersey.
0: Don't. You bash Jersey. You bash it. We're coming for you. You know, Jersey's got a bad rap and the traffic is horrible. But once you get to the beach... Mm-hmm. You're like, this place is awesome.
1: Yeah. And you'll never have to wonder how people feel about you.
0: Yeah. And that's refreshing. <laughs> it's not rude. It's and not rude. you know what? When you realize what tomato sauce is supposed to taste like because yeah. you went to the local Italian restaurant instead of that garden, mm-hmm. you're going to have a newfound love for Jersey.
1: But I do love the garden. Shh. I'm sorry. But- Soup salad, I mean, breadsticks, unlimited, $8. <laughs> you
0: know, when I, once in a while, I, I say to my friend that I go to dinner with, I'm like, let's meet at Olive Garden. And we both show up in glasses and a hat, like sunglasses and a hat. I it's don't want to get caught there. You're not there.
1: going there for the cuisine. You're going there for the soup salad, breadsticks, carpeted dining room, and chairs that, why are the chairs
0: on wheels? I, I think because <laughs> of all those carbs, it's hard to get up. You got to move around the table. I just, the only thing that makes it, like, I just wished it was a restaurant that they still smoked in, because I feel like that would make it, like, really...
1: When did that stop, by the way? Like, I was a waitress. I feel like this summer, between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I came home, and there was still a smoking section in the restaurant.
0: Is that... I want Am to I say right? the 90s. No, the 90s, it first became New York state law, then it became New York city law or vice versa. That's how I know it. But I in Jersey um, when this you know, it's crazy. There's actually some places in the United States. You could still smoke inside. And those are like fun that. to go to. Cause you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. You, you know? feel like you're in
1: your youth. <laughs> yeah.
0: You feel like you're in your youth and all of a sudden you're like, I want to smoke, but you don't. And smoke in Japan,
1: Free air Act. New Jersey, 2004.
0: I mean, that doesn't seem like, it seems like a late, a late arrival. Like we've known cigarettes are bad probably since the fifties when they were advertising them.
1: Yeah, I'm right. This was happening when I was a waitress in college because they didn't enact it in restaurants until 2006 in Jersey. Wow.
0: Everybody, so Jersey, so Jersey. Jersey has to be extra. Cause what? Don't you tell you me I can't go to smoke a cigarette. U- <laughs> telling me I can't go and have a bowl of pasta and wine and smoke. I gotta go Come outside on. in the cold and smoke. How dare you? <laughs> I'm over here. It's fine. <laughs> Um, I went to Japan and they, you could, they're smoking sections in the restaurants oh. there and it's disgusting. Surprising. Yeah. I'm
1: really surprised by that. Yeah. But like growing like so up, I would always sit clean, in this, yeah. right. As a country, they're aren't Asia, they super? I've
0: been to Asia a couple of times. They're big smokers there. Really, It's, it's a big, thing. one
1: of the worst head and neck cancer patients I ever had. Like one of the youngest ones I ever worked with. He came super, super loaded, wealthy dude came to be treated by us, um, from china wow and but he was so young and i was like oh my gosh like and it was squamous so it was and he had been like a heavy super heavy smoker it's interesting
0: yeah it's yeah. and it's gross like i i would get home and i would my clothes stunk mm-hmm. of cigarettes i had not yeah. felt that since the like 90- bowling
1: alley smell yeah yeah.
0: yeah yeah um well i think that's our on that, note- <laughs> on that note i'm gonna go smoke a cigarette i think why not just kidding just kidding could you imagine a speech pathologist that smokes there's always one at asha and i'm always like why
1: like standing alone i used to smoke
0: so it used to be me and i would find like the one or two lone smokers like come on i'm like let's just do it and now i'm like in
1: undergrad i did like i thought i was cool with my menthol and camels (laughs)
0: Oh, delicious. delicious.
1: But that like buzz that like cup of coffee cigarette buzz that you get in the morning, mm-hmm. ooh, like it feels It's so- a
0: stimulant. Oh yeah, yeah. you're like I could take over the world.
1: Yeah, I miss yeah. that. Like a walk and a, walk it, in a cigarette it, and a coffee to class. You got to smoke
0: thing. for like you got to not smoke for a week to get that, get that. Yeah, yeah. I was
1: like smoking like six cigarettes yeah. a day like it wasn't it wasn't a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I was That's never addicted.
0: Good. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. What are we going to, we need a show tune. So hypernasality.
1: I'm trying to think of if there's like a show tune. Hypernasality.
0: You got to go into it. Hypernasality. Kiss
1: today. Goodbye.
0: (laughs) Hypernasality. A podcast on speech a and language.
1: On speech and language.
0: We this has been a delight to entertain you. I'm Dr. Anthony Drew.
1: And I'm Karen with the C.
0: Until next time, keep it hyper nasal.
1: Okay. Bye. Bye.